Hello, everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turning it up. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today. Because today we get to return to one of our most favorite fantasy series of all time. It could only be Joe Abercrombie's The First Law Trilogy. We return to the series today to talk about a character that has won the hearts of the fans, surprisingly (laughs) enough. Dylan, do you want to reveal the character profile that we are doing today? Right. Well, we're going to be talking about the Dogman from the first Law trilogy. We ran a poll. We took to our wonderful followers on Twitter to see who they wanted us to do the next First Law character profile of. And we had, you know, we've already done Glockta. We've already done Logan. We've already done Baez. And those are probably the most obvious ones that (laughs) <laughs> we knew people would want us to get into really quickly. And then we're like, who's next? And we threw out Giselle Dan Luther, the Dogman, Colum West, and Pharaoh Maljin. And, you know, Charles, you and I had a little text conversation beforehand. <laughs> and we yeah. did both. We both agreed that Giselle was probably the favorite to win the poll just by nature being one of the more frequent perspectives used, I guess. Like the three main characters of the uh, original First Law trilogy are usually considered to be Logan, Glockta, and Giselle. And we're like, okay, well, Giselle's the favorite. But I did say, Charles, I was like, don't do the Dogman dirty because, <laughs> you know, this gotta guy be has a shot yeah, here. You, you, and you did, you did. But I don't think either of us expected him no. necessarily to win to the extent that he did. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, Dylan. I thought we were going to be recording a Giselle Dan Luther We did, today. Yes. <laughs> I was already starting to, like, I came up with the title and everything. <laughs> like, we had already worked it out. It was on the schedule. But then the fans <laughs> spoke, and they spoke clearly and resoundingly. And we're listening. And we are listening, so that is why we are more than happy to be discussing the Dogman. Right. So let's the not Dogman delay wait. any longer. Can right? we delay just a little bit longer? So I, <laughs> okay. The Dogman got fifty-four point nine percent of a vote that had four <laughs> categories here. A just to put pr- that in perspective, that's huge. Like that is a dominant performance. Giselle yeah. only got 24.4%. That's so crazy. West got 9.8% and Pharaoh with 11%. I'm surprised she hey, beat out West. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure that West was furious about that. And <laughs> I'll... <laughs> So anyway, before we get too much into this, I'll be sure to give my spoiler warning, which is 
that, uh, if you have not read the first Law trilogy yet, that is just the first three books of the first Law world, uh, which would be The Blade Itself, Before They Are Hanged, and Last Argument of Kings, then uh, you might want to go back and read those because they're freaking awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> then once you've read those, then you might want to come back back here but for now if you have not yet read the first law trilogy now's a good time to turn this down in your headphones check those out but for all those folks who have read the first law trilogy uh you know let's get into this let's talk about the dog man very well said sir the the title of today's episode is probably going to be something around this idea of dog man the price of loyalty and that is just where we see Dogman's arc kind of going by the end of this, is that Dogman has aligned himself with people, different people throughout the trilogy, and by the end, he is left to figure out, like, what was this all for? Like, what, were, what good did these causes do me? And that's what we're going to get through today i wanted to focus our conversation initially on the blade itself book one of the first law trilogy we don't get too much dogman in this one there's right. not too much in terms he's of done a plot. yeah one. he's done dirty <laughs> exactly right um so i mean standout moments i would have to say would be kind of the end where this whole series is, you know, it's, you've got Dogman, uh, Tall Duru, Black Dao, Three Trees, and they're trying to get by after just thinking, you know, Logan is presumed dead. So they're just trying to um, head south and make a new life for themselves. And that's when they confront Bethod's tax collectors. They learn that the North is at war with the Union and, you know, Team Dogman has this Ooh. knowledge of the of the Shanka, right? And they go, okay, well, if Bethod's army's heading south, the north will be undefended from the Shanka, and we have to do something. And it's that noble cause, I would say, where they're like, well, we need to be prepared to fight the Shanka. We need to go to Bethod, even though we had just been banished. Right. Yeah, and the Dogman sticks out pretty early on among Joe Abercrombie's characters as being a, I guess, shockingly personable and relatable yeah. and likable person. Where we're so used to these Joe Abercrombie characters who are extremely compelling, but also just seem like people you would not want to be friends with. Pretty bad dudes mm. uh, or and dudettes. And I'll say that we have... Dogman's kind of, he's kind of chill. Like, he's yeah. kind of just like the scout of the group at the start of this. And he's pretty much risen to prominence as Logan's sidekick, for lack of, you know, we did our sidekicks that stole the show thing. And I was kind of thinking Dogman would, might make sense, but he goes on to be so much more than that that it didn't, it feels like it would have been doing the Dogman dirty to call yeah. him a sidekick. Yeah. But I think that he has, in some ways, had the luxuries for so much of his life of not having to be the person who's had to be realistic about these things. Mm -hmm. He's kind of been the person who was just supposed to do their job and their job was, you know, he's got a good nose. He's got, he's able to scout things out and he does more of that. He's, you know, he's done yeah. a share of fighting, but never sought it out. And he's 
you like, could no tell one has he was, scores with him necessarily, right. and if they do, Not it's through his ties to Logan. Right. And you said something interesting. You said he kind of stands out as a Joe Abercrombie character, and I would. What also adds to kind of Dogman's interest is that he stands out as a Northman too. Like a lot right. of these Northmen, right away, like when they realize Logan's dead, they're fighting over who should be in charge after Logan. And Dogman's the only one who's like, now guys, guys, come on. Like we all know that Three Trees was Logan's second and all these other things. You know, he's amongst Northmen, he's like a really chill, nice guy as well and his personality kind of sticks out in that way from the rest of the crew so it's not only as an Abercrombie character he's kind of interesting but as a Northman in northern society he he sticks out as well a little more of a sensitive type yeah that's well said Charles he is a little bit more sensitive he's he's just someone that you you feel like anytime he has to do something really bad he feels it so deeply there's all these moments that come up for dogman where he you know especially when he does later on take on these more leadership roles where he has to like be in charge of i guess raids maybe is the right way to say it that ends up with people getting killed and every single time he dwells on those things and when you compare him to a character like logan who yeah logan likes to say to himself all the time how bad it is to kill people and he shouldn't be doing it he wants to stop but what's interesting about logan i mean one of the many things that are interesting about (laughs) logan well how about i'll say it this way say one thing for logan nine fingers say that once he's killed someone he kind of just moves on and (laughs) he's like oh shame whatever and Dogman, it's interesting because we get more of these moments afterward where he's literally just like thinking about how much it was like a shame that this poor person who was young had to die and that kind of stuff. So he's so much more sensitive than even Logan, who can kind of make come off as personable, even if there's a lot of darker stuff underlying that. And like Logan's shtick is always this like, Oh, am I a bad person for having done that? He's not really concerned, it feels like, too much about the people who are now dead. Dogman really cares. Like, he cares about the people who are dead. And he's, I mean, if we're starting to move toward this, like, where does loyalty get you bit? Like, he's always really cared about all the people around him. He's cared about the people, and he's cared about the causes as well. Which I think is what uh, the Blade itself was getting at. This idea of these noble causes and like you know you you said very well that yes dogman is always trying to do the right thing minimize casualties minimize cruelty and he's willing to risk confronting bethod again right to do that he he's trying to warn the north about the shanka because they're out on the frontier and shanka are popping up like crazy and so he's concerned that hey if the north marches south to the union you're leaving everyone victim to to the shanka and they decide in those moments you know this book this book ends for dogman with going to the Bethod's men and deciding we need to try and break bread with Bethod and warn him. And that's when they send Forley the weakest to Carleon to, to try and talk to Bethod. And we all know how that goes for Forley the weakest, which unfortunately they 
cut his head off. Yes, that ends in poor Forley's demise. And we do... Forley, it's a cautionary tale for what's to come in the first law when Forley gets his moment of nobility here where he goes out and he's trying to do... (laughs) I don't know if loyal is the right word, but uh, like at, uh, yeah, uh, they they did still hold some sense of loyalty to I guess like Bethod and almost even just like the North and humanity over the Shanka, and Forley is a person who says like what well, we, we owe this to them as fellow humans, and he yeah he goes in there and it's Calder who actually does Forley and not. Not Bethod per se, right? But, it's Bethod's uh, man. I don't Beth- think Bethod was there. He was busy talking with Baez. Yeah, and- <laughs> Calder, his son, is the one who, yeah, who deals with Forley in this way. But again, if this is kind of going to foreshadow some way that things are going to go for Dogman, it's this like, oh, the person trying to be loyal, trying to be courageous and do the noble thing here, they end up with their head cut off and. Yeah. Yeah, the dog man, <laughs> he'll fare a little better than that by the end of the first law, but it's he's definitely going to pay the price of loyalty in many ways. Yes, well, what's interesting is dog man's story ends in the first law with him standing over a grave, giving a eulogy right. about for the weakest. And this, or you mean in the blade itself? In the blade itself, right. And this, unfortunately, is going to be a trend for right. dog man and how, and how the endings of each book kind of go for him, this is the beginning. I think you said very well. Forley's the cautionary tale. We all know what Joe Crombie thinks of this idea of being noble in the world of First Law, <laughs> and this is that <laughs> first well. flavor that we're getting. And Dogman, there's a moment where he thinks to himself at the end of this book that he's kind of the coward uh, of the group now, and right without Forley there. Yeah, yeah. without Forley there, and that is what you said, this idea of cautionary tale of like Dogman is going to have to face certain dilemmas in these next two books and how he fares, you know, will depend on how he's learned his lessons from Forley and so forth, which brings us into Before They're Hanged. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And Charles, am I correct that Before They're Hanged starts with a dogman perspective is the first chapter do you remember i, know I don't remember as fact I, but i want to say yes if i was remembering correctly before they're hanged stuck out to me as the first and last chapter were i can check my kindle copy at some point while you're talking um but the yeah I think the first and last chapter are actually Dogman chapters. I believe you and are that's very Yeah, and that's very interesting because I remember the play itself, we felt like he's one of the more underutilized characters. For sure. And then, uh, and that's why that's where this phrase doing the Dogman dirty started coming up was because you and I hardly talked about him in our The Blade Itself episode because <laughs> like he's kind of just this view in The Blade Itself of what's going on in the North. Right. And he's this, relatable person you see how battles are fought and that kind of stuff and you get his perspective on logan uh one of loyalty for sure and uh he right. yeah and then before they're hanged we get a lot more dog man and before they're hanged because things are starting to really go down in the north right there's a lot of action that takes place and before they are hanged because where we are now is the gang 
is trying to, once they realize that Bethod is not going to listen to reason, there's no more reason to be loyal to the North. They're like, well, the enemy of my enemy, right? So they're trying to go over and join the Union, but the Union just sees a bunch of Northmen and tells them to get lost. So it's not until they stage this little ambush of Lord Marshal Burr that um, they finally get recruited by the Union and they are assigned to the same division as Prince Ladislad and Wes, Colin Wes, which turns into a really fun, interesting part of the story where Wes is getting adopted into the Northman society. You know, it's a lot of fun to see that play out. So the gang discovers Bethod's army by circumstance and of course, Prince Ladislad, trying to be noble and brave, uh, refuses to listen to reason and charges into battle. Yeah, it's generous to say that Ladislaw was trying to be noble and brave. He was trying to be something, all right. He, he was, was trying, trying to be a war, to hero, be a war really. hero. Yeah, yeah. And there's a bit of nobility around this idea of being a war, uh, the dashing yeah. war hero, like Lacta, right? So. Um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. That was Laszlo's big thing. Was yeah. against, like, like your friend Glockta. Shame he's dead, Wes. Yeah. <laughs> and what? I'm sorry. This is, we don't want to do the dog man dirty. No, we Let's do not. Stay focused on dog man here. So, uh, yeah, we we get these interesting interactions with dog man and West, especially where I think those two characters. They seem to like get each other in a lot of ways, and this is in part because they're they're in kind of similar situations and before they're hanged. Oh yeah, don't don't you think, Charles? Yeah, I think they're these two characters are really interesting to compare, and we touched on this a little bit in our buddy read episodes. Like, I kind of stumbled into this realization during those episodes, but when you think about when you compare Dogman and West, they're kind of Opposite ends of the same coin. Dogman sticks out in the harsh northern society for being a more sensitive guy. And Wes is the opposite. He sticks out in this kind of sensitive society by being this harsh character. So they understand each other in that way. They're uh. both kind of these fish out of water based on who they are as a person and what their society is like. Charles, you're blowing my mind, Charles, because this isn't <laughs> the way in which we compared these characters and before they're hanged, because this feels very new to me anyway. A, or maybe you said something. I this said nature, this in like, an episode. You said this? Yeah, I okay. made this point. You did? But not as clearly as I'm making it now, but if we go back and rewind the tapes, I did make this okay, point. Okay, well, okay, but... I'm saying it for more clearly reason, now. Re- yeah, it's <laughs> registering a little bit more what you're getting at. We had like now. two hours straight of recording. We were just like, can't can't stick on that point for too long. Too much plot. So okay, <laughs> now yes, that we're focusing well, on Dogman, we can have this. We can expand this conversation. Okay, yeah. So it's kind of like this thing where the it, I, I see you getting on this already, Charles. Like uh, West has these almost like more barbaric. Uh, Furious, like, f- furious. Yeah, he gets a he gets a name <laughs> like uh, these angry, intense impulses, and he his plight in a lot of ways is to try to figure out how to temper that into to be able to fit in and be an adaptive functioning person right. in a union society that values like 
quote-unquote civility. Like, you know, they have all their backstabbing and all this kind of stuff. But at least, like, this appearance of civility. Like, dressing nice, being, like, even if you're kind of being rude under the surface, like, saying the right things. And he's, and and Wes is obviously also a commoner in uh, a society that values being a, of noble blood and things like that. And he's kind of got to keep it all under wraps and keep it together, but he's like repressing all of this while yes. the dog man's is coming from the opposite direction. He's this really, like you were saying, Charles sensitive, like personable kind person who, if like he lived in a different place, probably could just be like a very normal dude going about his life doing whatever probably if he never got wrapped up with logan he'd probably be doing that like on a farm or something somewhere in the north and what he has to do is be able to like step out of that and learn even in some ways from people like logan to be like realistic about things and be a little bit more savage and uh like willing to do what like the ruthless thing in order to survive and get by in a northern society in which war is the norm and yeah and it's interesting i think a lot of times where it's like dogman dogman applies a lot of logan's lessons in a way more like for lack of a better way to put it like a moral way than logan does because logan has all these like great little sayings that could lead you awry if you use them as rationalizations or could lead you well if you're someone like Dogman who kind of needs to hear like, yes, we know you care a lot, but sometimes you have to be realistic about these things. Very well said. It's true. And that's just like the Dogman is so interesting in that way. And Wes is so interesting in that way. I think those are two characters that kind of get a little overshadowed by some of these other characters but they're two of my favorites for this reason there's so much going on with them in the background it's like man yeah you take the time to think about these characters directly and you start to come to these realizations and like who knows if these two characters were born like if dogman was born in the union society who knows it like if wes was born in northern society he'd probably be you know as bad as black dow you just don't know but it's interesting to think about and it's just the circumstance uh one of the things we do get to see dogman kind of has this chance at a normal life when they meet that or Charles, not really a chance at normal life but go, oh, go ahead. i want i want to say more about the west dogman stuff sure 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 i i think so the thing that stuck out to me about the west dogman parallel from our the last time we had the conversation was that they were in very similar situations, mm-hmm. I guess. Or did I say the last time we had the conversation they were in, it was that they were in very similar situations was the thing that stuck out to me. And that was in the sense that Dogman was basically trying in a lot of ways to keep the peace between two very kind of, to, to various degrees, like uh, ruthless, barbaric folks in, terms of Tulduru and then Black Dow. Yes. Like more yeah, like classic northern folks yep. who are more in touch with their like And Polder and Croy for West. Right. So Polder and Croy for West though are kinda the opposite where they're like all in like the picture of noble like bluster f- with no sense of actually wanting to do anything, yeah. I guess. Like right. so it's kinda like we have these two setups, right? Like Polder and Croy are like they almost need someone to just be the like no we have to go like do a thing like we have to be ruthless and 
relentless and just like uh, take action here because they'll sit around and wait for a letter from the king forever. And then this probably is more last argument than is before they're hanged, but whatever. And then uh, you have these situations with uh, Dogman placed between the two more uh, like typical Northmen in mm-hmm. Tolduru and Black Dow who need a voice to be like, oh no, like we need to chill, we need to get along, yeah. we need to. They're like, like kind of trying to bridge the peace yeah. and keep things moving. They're the ones trying to get things yeah. done, but they're not the leaders. So that right. that's true, and they do both fall into leadership positions, which. Mm-hmm. And in part because the things that make them different from the typical person in their society is kind of what they, what is needed. It's keeping in opposite, moving, right? right. Yeah. In opposite ways for the two because they're um, uh, they differ from their society in terms of West being more like more furious than most in the society and Dogman being more sensitive than most in his society. Right, is like part of what helps them rise to their respective tops because that's the voice that's needed. Right. And another comparison is that they're both interested in the same woman, which which right, is Cathal. that of Cathal. Of course, Cathal goes to West and says, you're too angry for me, and chooses the dog man, which is a very interesting choice. And it's the kind of the last thing I want to talk about him before they're hanged, because <laughs> this is a super interesting point for the dog man, because this is where he's starting to realize that there is... There was a life before all the scores and all the allegiances and all these things. You know, he's in bed with Cathal and he's remembering the last time he was in bed with a woman. He's like, oh, it's the last time I was warm or happy. But then what happens? I got dragged off and exiled with Logan. So his allegiances are pulling him away from his relationships and Dogman is still learning that lesson in these moments, but he's reminded again of what an alternative life could be to pursue relationships and, and, and just be happy. Right. And there were plenty of folks who weren't so closely attached to Logan, but had fought on the same side as him and, of course, Bethod for long periods of time, well before the story that we're reading begins in the blade itself. Right. And uh, it is Dogman's just taken for granted intense loyalty to Logan that has him tossed out with everyone else here, even though he's a very likable guy. So right. it's like, and the the key thing to remember about Dogman from this perspective of loyalty is something that makes him different from all the other characters that are following Logan is that all the other ones are following Logan because he fought them in a duel and spared their lives, and that made them basically like Logan's underlings. Right. Dogman is just Logan's friend who came up alongside Logan while Logan was rising to prominence as Bethod's champion. So Dogman doesn't have that same sense of owing Logan in terms of his life being spared or in terms of like the rules of the North say he has to serve Logan. He literally is serving Logan on, and this is unlike any other, other characters. He's serving Logan because he is loyal to him. Yes. And that distinction has to be made by Abercrombie. It's so critical for this idea of loyalty because Dogman 
in the end, he's wondering what was this all for? And if he was mm-hmm. forced into it, it wouldn't be yes. as impactful of a question. He has to ask, why was I so loyal to Logan and then to exactly. Petries and then to Wes and then back to Logan? It's, like, why was I on the side of the North or any of these other things? And that's a really important distinction, Dylan, that you brought up. And it's a necessary one made by Abercrombie because right, but that's implicit. what makes it so interesting. Yeah, Im- yes. implicit. Yes. At no, like, that's the thing. That's part of what is so incredible about Abercrombie's character work is he has such a deft hand and he really trusts his readers to figure this kind of stuff out. Like, you don't, I've, you know, I've read the series a few times now and I don't ever remember a line that says like, and Dogman thought about how, oh, like, Toldura would have had to serve because he was... uh, like, he lost to Logan, but Dogman realized that he was loyal just for right. the sake of loyalty. What was that about? It's like, it do, he's, Abercrombie is going to trust you that you're going to figure it out because he, you know, he believes in his readers. And he's been rewarded by that because, you know, his readers do believe he has incredible character work. And this is a beautiful, you know, we'll get to when that last argument chapter for sure which uh where dogman's reflecting on like what was it all for later but yeah it's, it's setting so it good. up yeah. and it's, setting it's it up. further exemplified when the shanka kill cathel basically and it's such an emotional scene where she's still alive and she's scared and yeah and they realize brutal. they have to pass the arrow through and it just ends up being too much for Cathal, and she dies. And it wasn't; it was such like a, like a. It was almost like a stray arrow. You kind of get the sense of, you know, it was like a chance thing that she got struck. Right. And it was almost like a senseless kind of of death. And I, that's a another important distinction in these moments with Dogman is a lot of the stuff doesn't make sense when you think about it. He's there. Why? Because he was following Logan and then he was following Three Trees and, and then they just, just decided to go with the Union because there was nothing else to do and they needed to fight Bethod and like why do they care so much about Bethod and, and now he's lost this one sliver of happiness he was able to carve out for himself and this book ends with yet another memorial service both to uh, Three Trees and to Cathal and Dogman gives a very emotional eulogy to Cathal and then Grimm steps up and gives the eulogy to Three Trees. So it was just a really, that was such a really impactful moment. It's kind of like the Empire moment for Dogman where he's like, man, I've lost everything. This is so depressing. And he hasn't quite asked himself what was this all for quite yet, but he's getting there. Yeah, that's so well said, Charles. And I I know you're talking about the eulogy and I I have a quote here that I think is relevant, which is okay. from the great heart and grim doesn't say a lot, but when he says it, <laughs> you better, this be guy says it. Yeah. <laughs> when he says it, it's time to listen. Uh-huh. And one of the things he says in that eulogy is, uh, he says, uh, great leader, great friend, lifetime of battle stood face to face with the bloody nine, then shoulder to shoulder with him never took an easy path if he thought it was the wrong one, never stepped back from a fight if he thought it had to be done. I stood with him, walked with him, fought with him 10 years all over the North. 
as it's as his face broke out in a smile. I have no complaints. And that is about loyalty too. It comes from Grim, uh, but we see it through Dogman's perspective, and it seemed to be this thing of like, isn't that so grand almost in some ways that it, we had such an incredible leader in Rudd Three Trees, and and I I do think Three Trees is one of the like most noble people in uh, uh, the first law series. That's fair. Why, you know, no way, no way he makes it through. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, and we get this moment where the way that he is lionized by uh, by Grimm is talking about how Grimm felt so great about being loyal to him. And we go on to like, we have Dogman seeing this and seeing, oh, isn't that such an amazing thing to like to be loyal and to have others loyal to you? Mm-hmm. And I think what will be interesting to see then, especially when we think of what ends up happening to Grimm in the last argument, how he ends up dying, also in a pretty senseless way, yes. to think about from the idea of this price of loyalty with Dogman, both the price of Dogman's loyalty to other people like Logan, like Three Trees, but also to start exploring as he takes on these more leadership roles start exploring what the price of like other people having loyalty to the dog man is. And I think Grimm will be a good person to, to chat about there. That's well said. And Grimm kind of sees his life at this point as a bonus. He's more simple yes. than dog man. He's not as, as pondering or philosophical as dog man is. So he's like, I enjoyed following three trees and it was all right. fun and he did a good job and he should be happy. Dogman is getting into relationships and is and is a bit more sensitive and his thoughts on the matter are a bit more complex than Grimm's but that's super well said this is definitely obviously the loyalty theme coming through in these moments and to hear Grimm explicitly state that at the end of this book is is like yeah, the whole the whole arc coming to a close for the blade for before they're hanged, and it right. was one of my favorite moments. Like though that oh, that last moment. battle, that going into the funeral, was was some really amazing payoffs from the whole series in the in those moments. I just that's really exciting stuff. So that brings us into the last argument of kings, and what happens here is. Dogman is the new chief. Tulduru right. and 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 Dao, the Black Dao, they can't decide. It's like, look, we couldn't listen to the other. There's just no way. As long as one of us is alive, we're, we can't be in charge. So it's got to be you. And Dogman, like this is news to Dogman, but everyone else already knows it, right? He's the last to know <laughs> that that it's obviously him. So that is kind of a, a humble beginning for Dogman, and he takes to it pretty well. And this is what you were talking about, Dylan, at the beginning when you were talking about how he was trying to limit bloodshed and reduce the as much violence as he can and avoid conflict as much as he can. And we see that very explicitly in these early moments of Last Argument of Kings where he's sparing guards and you know, giving the leader a chance to surrender and he's taking cities with minimal casualties. He's telling Black Dow not to, you know, go loot the city. Like, chill, Black Dow. Just because we took over the city doesn't mean you get to go crazy. 
and you know people are listening to him and these are the moments where we get to see hey this is what the north could be like with someone like dogman in charge it's very different but it's a place that leaves room for for less bloodshed yeah and it's very interesting to see that a character who rises to a leadership role almost in these in this case by nature of not having had as commanding a presence yeah (laughs) like because it's literally the way he ends up to be the chief is because the two obvious choices without three trees are black dow and thunderhead Mm -hmm. and those two hate each other so much and are such commanding presences (laughs) that there would be a giant schism if either of them were to be the person in charge. Right. And you just can't have either of those. And both of them are at least uh, realistic <laughs> yes. enough to know. Both Tolduru Thunderhead and uh, Black Tower are realistic enough to know, like, well, no, that neither of us could work. So that's why they, they think of the dog man. And then the dog man ends up as this, yeah, you said fish out of water earlier, Charles. Fish out of water leader. But weirdly enough, <laughs> this is the guy who is doing such a like i don't know if better is the right word probably it is but like a certainly more merciful way yes. of uh, like treating if other people and how do you take cities and how do you, a priority yeah, like, for you then yeah it would be better <laughs> <laughs> yes that is well said charles so let's say better that the dogman does an outright better job as a leader than and everyone Any others, likes him. Really, the yeah. issue that Logan had was people are following him because they're terrified of him. But the minute <laughs> he goes back to the union, everyone that stays behind is like, "Well, forget that guy." <laughs> you know, <laughs> Logan can only command people within arm's reach. <laughs> That's his issue. Uh, but uh, maybe swords reach. Yes, yeah, swords but, reach. Yeah. <laughs> but dog arm can, especially, yeah. but sword too. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Dogman can actually lead all of these people, and they're all kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm okay being commanded by Dogman, which he's probably the only person besides Three Trees that was able to pull that off. So that's something to be said for certain for Dogman's leadership capabilities. Yeah, and I do think this is where we we start seeing Dogman grapple with the questions that like the two-sided coin of the of the price of loyalty where it only used to be this what is the price of my loyalty to other people but now he has to think about what's the price of other people being loyal to me and what are the choices I'm going to make given I have their loyalty very well said and that continues to be tested as Kramaki Fail enters the fray <laughs> <laughs> beloved of the moon beloved of the moon <laughs> no uh, only, only one more beloved and that would be the bloody night <laughs> that's right <laughs> and then you also but I, I do also want to say Logan returns to the fray and that's yes. kind of fun too you get reminded that these characters have history and this, I love the back and forth they have about Shivers who also enters the fray in these moments uh, where it's yeah. like Rattleneck son isn't he nope the yeah. other one but isn't he <laughs> yeah. count the winters oh yeah okay like you get the sense yeah. that these guys all had this history they've been around a while yeah, yeah they've been around a while and you get the sense too is it's almost kind of like an old hat for them it's like aren't we just tired of this and they've asked that question a few times now it's like when can we retire <laughs> like are we actually going to affect enough change that we feel like we've had a job well done and can put our feet up and all these other things and uh, they've all kind of had those 
conversations leading up to this and Krummicky Fail right. comes in it's like this is the last big score guys we, we can do it and then they're all like uh, okay <laughs> and he uh, he puts him in a bad a tough sitch Charles yes. in the end does Krummicky Fail he, to put it lightly yeah they, they, they go on this super long seven day bloody siege just trying to defend this crummy hill with no <laughs> strategic value. Nice. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Crum- maybe crummuck. <laughs> Very crummicky hill for yes. sure. And they somehow managed to survive long enough for the Union Army to arrive. And somehow the plan works. I mean, it cost them <laughs> Thanks to Furious. Yeah, but Furious helped them out for a price. And they manage to chase Bethod back to Carleon, where we know the siege happens. Logan fights the feared, and Dogman in the shadows goes and kills the sorceress. I'm not confident how to pronounce her name. Carib? Carib? C A U R I B? Carib? We need Stephen Pacey on the line. We do need to consult Wonder, Pacey. The, the great <laughs> audiobook narrator the of Joe Grammy's first book. brilliance. Carib? Carib? Eh, Let's eh, go whatever. with that. And that's a fun scene also, but doesn't speak too much to Dogman's arc other than, you know, he wasn't He's very just... loyal to her for a very brief oh, yeah. <laughs> portion of time when yes. she has him under her spell. I don't know, Charles, maybe if we, if we dug down deep into all the things that our English teacher, Mr. Miller, taught us about looking for... Uh-oh. <laughs> looking for symbolism in literature. Maybe we could find something to do with uh, how Dogman like, follows okay. unquestionably okay. Let's in see. that moment with Carib uh, when she put... Right? She puts him under his spell and literally like, go kill... Uh, your friend, and it's like Grim is the friend, and I think it's Black Dow who then kills. Yes, because uh, Grim and Dogman Karen. are like, "Oh, you you want us to stab each other? Okay." Yeah. <laughs> and they're and they're like, you know, agreeing to everything she says. It's Black Dow who just splits her head right. like a melon with a, a battle axe. Who, <laughs> yes, Charles, the person who never really struggled with being too loyal, Black Dow. No. And we see that for sure in the end. So it's like, it's interesting that Grim and Dog met here. Mr. Miller, uh, I hope I'm making you proud if you're listening. You're doing it's a great not. job so but, far. Yeah, so here's the thing, Charles, right? Uh, the two people who are completely obeying Carib and her powers are the two people who've always been very loyal and very like followery to these more powerful figures throughout their lives in Grimm and Dogman. And the person who is able to resist that is... I don't know if is, it is resist as he's, much as yeah, it is. Yeah, it's more he snuck, snuck around. around. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. I know, Charles, yes. But come on, don't. I'm just clarifying <laughs> for the listeners yes and that each are, other? I'm clarifying because there's those, you know, yes. we are targeting First Law, deep lore First sure. Law fans right yes. now. So yes. we got to be clear. D, yes, and we send... Blacked out is more able to do it in a literal sense by nature of like he was sneaking around and he gets behind her. But if you think of it more from the literary sense that Mr. Miller would want us to think about, then maybe, just maybe, you could say that it's interesting that Blacked out, a character who's never struggled with loyalty, is the one who is who solves that problem. That's well said. I'm going to try and make our English teacher proud also here. And I will say that Abercrombie's also making a statement 
in this scene, Dylan. He's making a statement that there is no room for relationships in this story, even one forced by magic between this infatuation that Dogman and Grimm have with the sorceress. Oh God, because e- such- then you have <laughs> even the forced connection coming together through Karib's it, spells it, yes. cannot survive it, in this world. Dogman cannot sustain a relationship <laughs> without duty getting in the way. And that For is you, another. the listener, in case that any of that was unclear, that is... That was just Charles making fun of me. For it's a valid, for the listener, it's a thing sure. that happens. <laughs> it's is not you strong, but you challenged yes. me to come up with an extended metaphor here, <laughs> and that's what we did. Yeah, and that's Charles making fun of me and Mr. Miller. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know so what we did? Let's, it, it let's was keep coherent. It, yes. it was at least a thing, but that happens. More but coherent was, than you expected, Charles? That's absolutely correct. And All right, let's keep this moving. So let's not do the dog we, man we, we get the, this. We get the whole <laughs> Logan versus the, the feared thing <laughs> done and over with, and then what happens? Logan kills Bethod, and Kromicky Fell just kind of sneaks in and is like, King of the North. And <laughs> and somehow, Logan, after refusing the chief role, now accepts the king role. Yes. And, and Charles, can we mention, too, that when, Logan, when we get Logan's perspective of the dogman in charge... Uh, <laughs> There's some sort of Charles in charge joke I could make if I were quicker on the draw here. I guess but you I, could. I, I don't have it, <laughs> right? But um, uh, when Dogman is in charge, Logan reflects on this, like, oh, wow, he's doing so much better than I ever did <laughs> in that role. We definitely want to keep it that way. But, you know, push comes to shove and somehow Logan floats like a leaf down to Carleon <laughs> into uh, Scarling's chair, I believe. Right. Uh, and Phil yeah, so. is just starting the slow chant, like, King of the North, King of the North. And he, like, right. built up the momentum, campaigning for, for Logan. And anyway, that's what happens. And Logan's like, now we march to the Union for another battle. And this is As you do. where Dogman is like, okay, what? And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like half the North also, they're like, <laughs> do we need to? Like, wasn't the whole point to dethrone Bethod? Aren't we done now? It was like, well, we owe a lot to the Union and there's all this stuff happening and I really like killing people. It's not... He, he That's does, what he, is... Yeah, Logan doesn't really realize that, that but that is what is happening. You can listen to our Logan episode or get into that, but right. uh, that's his subconscious being like, I just like to fight. That's all I know how to do. Even though he doesn't think that. He, his justification is they helped us, we helped them. Let's finish this completely. They need us, whatever. So begrudgingly they all go and dogman now is kind of over it (laughs) he doesn't care about the union at all he's like didn't we do what we came here to do and that is only exemplified or that's only kind of punched home when they actually start fighting in the agronaut and they have to fight agrion thank you and they have to face off against an eater and poor grim dies in dogman's arms and this is such a a tragedy that Dogman, I don't think, recovers from. Yeah, that's well said, Charles. And that's what I was trying to sort of hint at with the earlier stuff about the the price of loyalty being a, a double-edged sword, I guess. Sure. Uh, where he, 
this is a point where Dogman has seen many, many of his friends die. We know that. But Grimm feels a little bit different for a few reasons. Like, he's almost like... It's hard to call a person who kills other people an innocent. But it does, as Abercrombie characters go, like Grimm, because he's so, like, silent, you can tell he is kind of well-meaning. Like, it feels like he's got a little bit of that, like, an innocent Yeah, he's, like, along for the ride. He's He's just happy to be there, you know? He's happy to be loyal to whoever's in charge. And in this case... Yes, it's Logan, but it's also Dogman, and it's been Dogman in a lot of ways uh, for uh, last argu- for last argument of kings, and I think he feels a level of personal responsibility for being the person who Grim was being loyal to, uh, and dragging Grim all the way down to the Union there. And this moment is kind of uh, as we move toward the end of Dogman's arc like maybe the the real thing that I, I think you m- mentioned something sorry Charles like drives home this like this point about like what the hell like what is all this for why yeah. did this guy follow me and why did I follow Logan and why did we all go down here and why is he dead now this is all yeah. pointless I think it's really poignant at the end when Dogman is alone now logan is like i need you to stay here someone needs to be the northern you know diplomat for the union and he's and dogman's like okay and logan walks away and dogman's left standing there and everyone else is gone black dow is up in the union but everyone else is dead so i mean up in the north and everyone else is dead and logan's heading up the north and that is important because all of the best times that he had were with his crew, and now his crew is gone. All of his best times were with his, whoever, whenever he was in a relationship, and all those people are dead. And now he's in a land he's never been in before and is told to stay there. So what was he working towards this whole time to now be alone and have no purpose and have nothing in a land that he's never been in before? It's tragic, really. It is tragic, Charles, and I... I have a quote here from the Dogman's last POV chapter mm. that I think will will help establish what you're getting at, which is, uh, it was a long journey that Dogman had taken the last few years, and a strange one, from nowhere to nowhere, and he'd lost a lot of friends along the way. Wow. He remembered all those men gone back to the mud. Harding Grimm told Duru Thunderhead, Rudd Three Trees, Forley the Weakest, and what for? Who was better off because of it? All that waste. It was enough to make a man sick to the soles of his boots, even one who was famous for having a flat temper. All gone and left Dogman lonely. The world was a narrower place without him. Oh, man. <laughs> and that's before Logan comes up to him, and uh, <laughs> and that doesn't exactly make things any better. But no, yeah, that's kind of where Dogman Dogman's like, we're basically not friends anymore. I'm, I'm going to do what you say for some reason, but we are not friends anymore. And Logan kind of accepts that, unfortunately, but that's where they end. And... <laughs> It's so, so tragic. Poor Dogman. Like, that sentiment is, like, when he's feeling it in his soul and reflecting on all his dead friends and admitting that he's lonely. It's like, what powerful moments happening for Dogman right now. And it's a 
good question. You know, all these characters died doing for a cause, and is the world a better place for it? And that is a huge thesis for the whole First Law trilogy. Every character kind of goes through this. this what all these struggles that we're having? What are they for? For Dogman, mm-hmm. he ended up in the same place, just lonelier. For a character yeah. like Jazal, he finds out that he never did anything that mattered ever, and nothing he ever does will matter because there's people playing the game at such a high out in the stratosphere of what he's capable of. It's all these things, and even Glock is like, well, maybe we get to implement a few nice things along the way, but it's almost kind of like. There's the senselessness to a lot of it that is what the First Law trilogy is kind of trying to highlight about humanity and sure. politics and like this other side of it that's like it's all pomp and circumstance in the end it's you're you're left alone you know it's it's the tragedy of it and that's the whole point of Dogman's arc. The point is the pointlessness. Yes. The, and it's it's kind I, of funny when you were did, like the beginning of that quote was like he started and ended with nothing i'm like that's kind of like how the plot goes for the whole trilogy right <laughs> <laughs> and once upon a time charles you would have called that a criticism but i think now because <laughs> it's about character arcs and all that it's i don't know the 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 plot going from nowhere to nowhere in some ways is is the point, exactly, I guess. And yeah. it's and it's so well established. And when you see it through that lens of like this is how characters, I don't know if learn is the right word, but like go through things that then give them different perspectives and like and in some ways like give them different perspectives temporarily and then have them return to their old perspectives. It's like there's so much to to gain from these all these arcs. But but to not do the dog man dirty, Charles, mm-hmm. I have a little bit more I want to say about okay. about his arc in particular uh-huh. and ways in which Charles, I think that the dog man really parallels the reader experience around loyalty especially to Logan. So I think that like so much of when we're in the dog man's perspective when Logan's not around and in that point like during the times before we see Logan come back to the north and really become the bloody nine again mm-hmm. he's just thinking about how like oh wasn't Logan such a great man who yeah. had all these like awesome sayings these <laughs> yeah. things that still stick with me and I still think like wow he really had all these great moments right. and he's kind of part of what builds this like this idea of Logan as, oh no, of course he's a good person. The dog man seems like a good person. And he's always saying how like he looks up to Logan. And instead of us being able to see that that's like the dog man's unreliable perspective, because it's like, he's kind of unnecessarily loyal to Logan. And he ends up learning that along the way. He has a like rosy, a Pollyanna ish view, Charles Mm. of who Logan is is and it colors our view in part as readers but our view as readers is also covered by the fact that we're alongside logan for this long ride of logan rationalizing to us and telling us all these things about how he's trying to be a good man and blah 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 and it's kind of like the dog man starts to realize a lot of these things alongside the reader in last argument of kings when logan comes back to the north and then starts kind of like showing us, no, this is this is how he was actually acting 
that whole time when he was being Bethod's champion and when he was uh, like being a leader in the North. And we end up in this place with Dogman after, you know, if you want to hear us talk more about Logan's arc and all that, you know, definitely check out our Being Realistic About Logan Nine Fingers uh, conversation. But we end up in this place with Logan where at least you and I, Charles, start seeing him as like a person who at an observable level is trying to be like for what he can observe about his own behaviors and actions, like trying to be a good person, but is really a, a, like a very bad person in terms of what he ends up doing. <laughs> and we end up with this place with Dogman, where much like the reader, maybe he thought that Logan was such a good person all along, but he's by the end like, wait, no, this guy's a terrible person and almost questioning his own judgment and, of course, loyalty to Logan especially and just like how he should think about loyalty in the future and we get this this awesome line from the dog man in his final chapter as well which is uh, basically he t he took a long breath of the cold wet air and he frowned down at the earth over Grimm's grave he wondered if he'd know a good man from an evil anymore he wondered what the difference was and to me if we're talking about loyalty and the dogman, just the reader experience of like what happens by reading this series, it just undermines both dogman and our own understanding of what a, like a, a good person is because a lot of us thought Logan was a good person for so long. And even, yeah, like what is the difference between, a good person and a bad person and does it even matter in a world as gray as Joe Abercrombie's and I don't know I think the document right. illustrates that so well that's really well said when you when you find yourself in the wake of mass violence and losing people you're just kind of like what happened like right did any like what changed what hasn't what's real like what's what's going on that's such an honest yeah uh, reaction what's good and what's have. bad yeah not knowing and there's plenty of people that still can yes like logan the the idea uh, yeah. that logan is a bad character is a bit of a hot take a bad he, person a bad person he's yeah a he's a great character, character but a bad person yes. that's still kind of a hot take and dogman's not uh, even a hundred percent sold but when he's asking those questions it mirrors the reading experience like you said super well because a and, lot of readers feel that way that uh, Lo Lo logan he, he's just a better to do it than live with the fear of it you know like he's saying all these changed my the life charles series. yeah and then but at the end he's like what's happening now like why am i friends with this guy is he good is he bad does it even matter like <laughs> right and that's kind of how i felt finishing the series for the first time i was like what happened yes. like was this good or bad <laughs> did, did, did it matter like what's going on and then when you when i read it a second time this whole series expecting that and then seeing what the story is about it really opened up for me yeah. so in that way with the dog man like i needed to process it a little bit more to to figure out what was going on but you you still end up with this kind of purposelessness of all the violence for sure yeah yes purposelessness and and definitely uh that i think the the like almost general almost nihilistic in a lot of ways uh, feeling of the first law series or at least the first law trilogy is a reason why it gets labeled grimdark so much is like 
while a lot of extremely dark events happen in lots of series that don't get labeled grimdark, it's this more step back philosophical cynicism and almost nihilism that is what makes in the end like Abercrombie you know Lord Grimdark yes. <laughs> like and that pointlessness the the difference between good and bad being almost like arbitrary and ir- in some ways irrelevant in Abercrombie's w- world in some ways is like that's I think just a piece of this greater like pointlessness of a lot of (laughs) which we get into the different flavors of it through these different characters but it's the dogman is the one that kind of blows it open for the reader of like okay what was the point again like you know he's yeah he's the he he is the the parallel reader experience man and He's, he's why he pulled so strongly in the polls. Yeah, it's making more sense, I think, to us. After after talking about it, it's like, wait, why Why is the Dogman so freaking popular? It's like, because probably he's the person by the end of it that most directly like, seems to be seeing what we're seeing as readers. And Just stepping back and being Dogman like, what was this all? is it that he won the poll and we were surprised? You know, it's kind of like yes. Dogman would be surprised too. He'd be like, wait, I, I won the poll? What? <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's, it's like, it's just well, Giselle. <laughs> it's like, well, Giselle, everyone thinks he's a narcissist, so they didn't pick him. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Pharaoh and West just would be <laughs> like, they're too they're angry. Kind of, <laughs> they're too angry. So we, we ended up going with you, Dogman. It was. It had to be. be like, oh, uh, it's like, uh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Charles, I'm. I don't know. I had a lot of fun. I. I think I didn't realize how it, how much fun it would be to talk about the Dogman. That's fair. You know, say one thing about you and me, Dylan. Well, you can't Ooh. say one thing, and you cannot say that we did the Dogman dirty <laughs> because no, I we gave like him. A lot yeah. of time today, more time than we were expecting we would. But that's it, true. This conversation just opened up. We, I agree with you, Dylan. My experience recording this episode was the same. Is it was a lot of fun to talk of. Always fun to talk about the first law, but we didn't really get as much chance to talk about Dogman and the buddy reads and to do what all Dogman discussion. We had a lot to say. Yeah, I mean, I hope that we can. St- just walk away from this and say that we did the dog man right i would hope the same thing and thank you to all the listeners who made it through and to all those people on twitter that voted uh yeah. to hear this episode all you dog we, man fans out there all you dog man fans out there i thought we were gonna do a jazal episode but you know what he can wait <laughs> we'll do him uh, very soon i'm, I'm sure I, yeah you really he took this one on the chin charles <laughs> That he did, sir. Well, unless we have anything else to say about Dogman, I think we're ready for that sweet, sweet outro music. What do you say? Let's get that sweet, sweet outro music rolling, Charles. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This has been your co-hosts, Charles and Dylan. If you like what you heard today, if you want to 
enter some Twitter polls, join the conversation, influence our next read, go ahead, join us, follow us, be part of the discussion on Twitter over at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. We are also active on Facebook and Instagram at the FTF Podcast. And you can always send us an email at the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. Now, Dylan, if they were listening on Apple Podcasts and they wanted to further support the show, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast. All you got to do is click on that Friends Talking Fantasy page on the Apple Podcast app and scroll down past all those episodes until you start seeing stars. Once you're seeing stars, the best number of those to click if you want to help support the show would be five of them. If you're feeling like you have some extra time and you want to support the show even further, then writing a review helps us so much. But just listening is more than enough we're so appreciative thank you thank you everybody for listening you guys are awesome and as always go forth and conquer friends